Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be previewing Monday's match between Sunderland and West Brom at the Stadium of Light. So to find out more about the Baggies we're joined by Lewis Cox from the Express and Star. Lewis, how's things? Very good, Joe. How are you? Um, yeah. Very much looking forward to the trip off, actually, because it's been a long old four weeks without a match for, for us. I know you were treated to one, weren't you? So, yeah, it's been a long time coming and a lot of column inches to fill with precious little going on. So, can't wait, to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely good to have it back. We obviously got the game last weekend. Sunderland played Millwall at home, won that match 3-0. But for West Brom, it's been four weeks without a game, won't it? So, uh, returning yep. to action this weekend at the Stadium Light, it is on. Monday as well, after being chose to be shown on on Sky Sports. So, as we said, West Brom, four weeks without a game. Um, they did have a friendly match, though, against Spanish side Ice. Um, Tony Mowbray was saying this morning in his press conference. So, how did that go and how have they kind of been managing the break? Yeah, I mean, obviously, they, they had a week away in eastern Spain and managed to get friendly out there. Result is not particularly important in those kind of warm-up games abroad, is it? Sorry. And um, yeah, they lost 1-0 to the the, uh, the La Liga team. No disgrace, obviously top top flight over there. So, but most importantly, they got minutes in the legs. Yeah, I think every squad player other than perhaps one got 45 minutes in the legs, which is particularly useful when it's been a month without a game, obviously. And um, yeah, I expect I expect to see a good, I expect to see a good Albion side up there. I've, I've got to say... They were, we'll get onto it, but they were absolutely flying before the break, Joe. Um, yeah. Three wins on on the spin and all with clean sheets as well under the new head coach, Carlos Corbran. So it was, a, it was a massive run for them just before the pause. And to be honest, you could argue they could have done without the break for the World Cup just because they were, you know, finally hit form, found some momentum that they hadn't had for so long. Um, so maybe the break came at a, a difficult time. On the flip side, Corbran had only been in for about a month. And not having a preseason himself, I'm sure this break and particularly the time out in Spain, we haven't spoke to him yet. We've got the chance tomorrow at the press conference, but I know he's relishing that opportunity to just work his players, get ideas into them better, practice tactical ideas and understandings on them, more in depth, things like that. So, yeah, I expect to see um, Albion in good spirits, but I think when you start a season or you've had a long break from a game, you can never quite know, can you, how how a team's going to start up again. It necessarily doesn't matter that they were in really good form before the break. It uh, it obviously depends perhaps what they were doing in the break, but then how, what frame of mind, what type of, you know, how the players are feeling physically going into a, a first match in a long old time. So, yeah, an interesting one. Um, but as I say, Albion sort of finally found their groove really before the break because, as you'll have seen, it, it had been a horrific start to the season. Obviously, um, mostly under Steve Bruce, someone uh, well-known up there of course and yeah it hadn't gone well and he was relieved of his duties and uh, but yeah we, de- we definitely turned the upturn in in fortunes in form before the break and, and Corbram was certainly having his his impact. Mm. Yeah you mentioned Steve Bruce there and obviously it has been a, a tough start to the season West Brom sit- still sitting 21st ahead of this game but from the outside looking in it always looked like West Brom had a good kind of group of players there but Bruce just didn't seem like the right fit is that kind of the feeling that it was there. Yeah. Um, so he hadn't been at club long at all. Fe- yeah. February, March time, back end of last season. And um, it, it didn't didn't start particularly well. Levelled a bit towards the end and got a couple of results. But Albion were, were nowhere. They were mid-table. They finished 10th in the Championship, which is 
below par, below expectations, really. And and obviously Bruce goes into his first summer this year, looking to really change the way the team was playing, have a real change of the squad style, everything like that. Like last season, they were defensively solid, but not scoring at all. There were tons of nil nils, and um, it was getting them nowhere. So I wanted to flip it really and get on the front foot, get attacking, bring a bit more enthusiasm and sort of vibrancy to the the way the team attacked, things like that, and got some good players in, as you say. I mean, you know, the the obvious ones are your Jed Wallace's, and you look at John Swift as well from from Reading. They got Akai Yakuzhli back to the club, a Turkish international midfielder they'd formerly had on loan in the Premier League. Um, but it, it, the start couldn't have been much much worse, unfortunately. The results went against them. They got uh, one win, I think maybe four or five league games in, and then it was totally barren. Too many draws. They were drawing a lot of games early on, um, making terrible defensive mistakes, easily scored against, really easily scored against. Um, that's an okay points on the road, don't get me wrong. And But it was, it, it was going on and on. It, it went... On and on a while, and see a lot of noise from frustrated su- supporters with Albion. Probably the, by that point, midway down the bottom half, really closer to the bottom three, really than where they they should be, where they want to be, fighting to be in the playoffs at least. And uh, it felt like it was coming. And I, I suppose the thing that perhaps kept Steve Bruce in in his post for a little while is because he he was still new into the job. Really, he hadn't been there. A, a very long time at all. It was a, a new group, a new style, trying to find a new way, but it just didn't look like it was producing. They yeah. they were unfortunate in spells, but keep kept shooting themselves in the foot time and, and time again. Players were clearly losing confidence and struggling to get yeah, struggling struggling to put in winning performances. You can see the mentality and just say confidence was was drained. They they sort of looked on the floor really. Um and enough point of the season has gone, I think, into October. And you're looking at the table and thinking, probably you really need to make a change to to try and salvage this because it's an important season for Albion, really important to try to, to be in the mix to try and go back up when you factor in you factor in sorry parachute payments from the Premier League and trying to use those to your advantage to to get back up there. Obviously, um, it's really important season, and they couldn't let it drift any further because Albion were were nowhere and as I say much closer to the foot of the table than promotion spots certainly when it comes to position so that to make a change and uh, yeah it was, it was quite a while really I think probably three weeks plus yeah. maybe without a, a while the search went on I had a caretaker in from the club's academy and it was quite quickly apparent that Corbyn was, was of interest um, former Huddersfield head coach of course who worked wonders at Huddersfield didn't he really getting into that, that yeah. playoff final and then Obviously, left for a great job in Greece or one massive club in Olympiakos in the summer, and that didn't last very long for him at all. A dozen games or so, and and he was relieved of his duties there. And thankfully, for I suppose from Albion and Corbin's point of view, the, the timing was perfect, and they were able to make that work. And yeah, he's he's, he's been very impressive so far. The impression he's given, uh, the way he handles himself, the way he goes about his work, and the way he communicates. It's been pretty impressive to watch and certainly delivered results because, I say, three wins on the bounce. Didn't look like it was coming, really, prior to his arrival and certainly with clean sheets. That has been a million miles away. So, yeah, massive improvement, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly looks like he's made a positive impression. I imagine he's 
been quite a popular appointment with supporters as well as probably maybe a bit more of a feel-good factor around the club going into this game now yeah yeah they've um taken to him quite quickly he, he actually yeah. lost his first game in charge which was a home game against sheffield united so quite a, a tough one i think the blades are probably top at the time i think i'm right mm. in saying feels like a long time ago um so yeah he lost that one but that was always a tough starter and and then followed it up in the second second game with a, a midweek home against blackpool and blackpool down the lower reaches really a, not a fancied side for the division you'd have to say and, and they they struck a late winner i think within the final 10 minutes of the game through yakushlu and it was just it just felt like a massive moment felt like sort of lift off for the new new regime you know and it, it was a priceless win and a clean sheet a very rare clean sheet to go alongside it and before you know it the saturday after that they're heading down to qpr who were you know going great guns really that they'd, they'd had all the um the beal stuff with, with the manager there he was still in charge and and albion go and get a one nil win on the road and it looks like it's coming into shape and, and they finished off after that by comfortably dispatching stoke at home to nil really confident comfortable professional that the best they've probably looked all season in truth when you you look at the whole display they they just looked in the groove they looked like they knew what they were doing players had confidence in them again you could see that and it, it felt like each player in each position in in the formation which we'll probably get onto new their roles knew what they were doing that the response was was quite clear and and from the supporters as you say they they've, they've really taken to him they they like the way he comes across they like the things he's saying um i think they're seeing him someone who's done well from a difficult position recently with Huddersfield, where he took over and where, where he eventually got them to someone who's, who's clearly been there and done it in in recent times obviously steve bruce had been there and done it many a time but yeah. Obviously, I, I guess in Steve Bruce, you've got a manager who's, you know, been, been around a long time and is is at towards the end of his career, you'd say. And in Corbyn, it's it's the other way, isn't it? It's a young young head coach. Obviously, cut his teeth with Bielsa at Leeds, didn't he? Before Huddersfield and Olympiacos, and he feels like he's maybe starting, got these, you know, young fresh ideas approach. So I think the Albion fans that are behind that. They they like something. Just wanted something to get behind, really. Something to to cling to to grasp to maybe a bit of an identity something like that and uh and yeah they've they've been sort of chanting his name they give it the um the paella and estrella chant uh, obviously with him being spanish so yeah the moods the moods lifted and the fan base needed it because it got pretty rough really it got pretty you know apathy had, had very much kicked in and uh yeah the, you know crowds would were, were dwindling at the hawthorns as well which you know, it's obviously a great place to watch football, but the, the crowds were staying away. And to tell you the truth, really, before the appointment and actually after the first game of Corbyn's, which, as I say, was a defeat, which actually sent them bottom. They went second bottom under the caretaker and they dropped to bottom. And during the the, the stage of a caretaker manager, you, you know, you're, you're thinking and writing and, and reporting around being in a relegation battle here, you know, to drop to the third tier for the first time in sort of generations would... It feels unthinkable, really. It does. And with, with the squad that's there, it does. But obviously, it's happened to many big clubs, hasn't it, falling down to the third tier. So you can never write it off. But at the moment, in the here and now, it's 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 looking up and it's thinking, well, there's long enough in the season left and the points, the table's not as bad as it could be. And there's still, you know, there's still a glimmer of hope, really. You can still have a good season and probably get onto the coattails of the playoffs.
Mm. Yeah, we, we seem to say this on every podcast that we do with different writers that, well, I look at the table, West Brom are 21st. I think they're only eight points off the playoffs. So that's, you know, a couple exactly. of over, over yeah. Christmas, Christmas. And a game period. in hand, isn't it? A game in hand on, yeah. over most rivals as well, I believe. So, so yeah, it, it, certainly with the start they had, it could have been a, a hell of a lot worse, really. Mm. You talked about the the identity there and that the fans are, are buying into that, just looking at their kind of system and what they've been playing. It looks like a back four, maybe a four two, three one. So what kind of can we expect from West Brom? What kind of is his style and how are they setting up under him? Well, we were we were wondering what to expect when it went into the first game because one of the things we'd read about his Huddersfield time was not <laughs> an absolute flurry of formations. He likes to mm. flip between, you know, there's no not necessarily a set formation system so that was interesting and, and the first the first game they defeated Sheffield Wednesday started and finished differently now they started the game quite poorly and finished it well in a 4-2-3-1 and brought different personnel on to fit into that 4-2-3-1 and you're thinking well they've done okay there at the end of the game they've pushed Sheffield United a little bit um, and and lo and behold followed that up and, and stuck with a 4-2-3-1 and it, it's worked well really and I mean, ironically, we talked about players earlier, Jed, Jed Wallace, John Swift, play, players like that were brought in to fit such a system, really. I mean, Wallace is obviously an out-and-out winger out on the right. Swift is a number 10 playing in the hole. And they've used Grady D and Garner pretty much all season on the left of that. And it's been behind a front man. And they've struggled in that front man position, in all honesty. It's been a, a bit of a mixture. It was Carl and Grant who not too long ago was a big money signing for the club, of course, playing playing that role. He was actually with Corbran at Huddersfield very, very briefly, but mm. hadn't quite been working for Grant. They they snapped up uh, a lad from the fourth tier from League Two, Brandon Thomas Asante from Salford. Been a bit of a hit, um, really popular, scored a few goals, works hard. He's had it. And, um, and the big one, really, I suppose, over this break and where they've been unfortunate this season, um, Daryl Dike. The USA striker yeah. has finally got over another awful muscle injury, which sidelined him pretty much from start of August to to the World Cup break. So he comes into contention, and that's a big factor. You know that, that that's that's a big centre forward for them, both in stature and profile. Really, I mean, he should have a, a big impact. So that'll be interesting. As I say, it's been that four-two-three-one, um, not considered style. I would say the two central midfielders are. Busy, hardworking. You know, you don't get not not entirely not overly stylish. Nothing too fancy. It's quite functional, I would say. Um, we've seen the fullbacks on both sides attack. I would say, you know, we, we're not talking not talking steady defensive fullbacks here. We're seeing we're seeing them encouraged on um, uh, to join in with the wingers on either side of the three. So that's that's been an interesting factor in it. And Swift's role, actually, John Swift's role in the number 10 has blossomed somewhat under under Corbyn because he he was a big sign and as I say from Reading and started okay but levels really sort of started to dip um and Albin wanted and needed more from him in that role he needed to be a creative force a spark and actually dropped out of the side a little bit which you would never have envisaged at the start of the season given reputation he arrived with and so on but um he's he's found his feet again under the new head coach and a couple of goals have been from actually from set pieces, which which is interesting because Albin had really stuttered, suffered in that department, both conceding. But they used to be a side, not necessarily full of giants, but a side who would really, you think of Albin in the Premier League, 
yeah, Pulis and, and yeah. whatever you think of um, Olsen at the back, McCauley, you know, these guys getting onto the end of Chris Brunt corners and free kicks. And it'd been lacking, really. It had been lacking. But of late, I mentioned that 1-0 win at QPR. Kyle Bartley, big big centre-half, arrives to score the score the winner. Yakuzlu's big winner in, in Corbyn's first win was from a, a corner or a set-piece out wide. So... They finally found that, and Swift is behind that. He's over them, and that's that's been really important. And it's it's helpful and useful that you say players like Bartley in your team. You should be using them. Is is a certain type of defender that should be clear in his lines at the back and being a threat in in the other box. And that Stoke game just before the break, the two 0 win, Bartley opened the scoring in that. Um, and funnily enough, the second goal was a Brandon Thomas Asante absolute wonder goal bicycle kick he scored. But Bartley, honestly, from centre-half, from set-pieces in the first half, could have had at least a hat-trick. He got on the end of of everything. Sent, hit the bar with one, sent a couple wide. It was really... He could have had... He should have had a few goals, but he got the one. And that's been an interesting facet that the new head coach has been able to bring back. And I'm not calling them a long ball or a set-piece set set, set team. They're not. But it's been a very useful addition. And, um, yeah, still with that element of width, as I say, the... the be it Wallace and Dean Garner or Matty Phillips, another experienced player of Albion's um, who's had a go out wide recently. They still use that. I'm just interested to see how the centre-forward role will work now post the World Cup break, given you know DK's availability within the side. It surely means perhaps a change up up top. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And he's, he's certainly a handful. I've seen him play a couple of times for the, the under-21s as he, as he makes his way back because he's barely played uh, for the first team since arriving in January. And he's, he's a big old unit. He's going to you know, have some battles with some, some centre-halves. So look forward to that. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's another massive test. I mean, in terms of a ways, he's had, he's had a few home games, Corbin, but he went to QPR, went down to QPR and they got a superb 1-0 win. And this is a, another big test, isn't it? You know, a different type of test, but, they want to, despite having the break, they want to continue the form of momentum. No doubt, three wins is, is great. If you can say four in a row, it gets even better, doesn't it? And, and Albion need to carry it on for their season. You know, they can't. What are they? A, a place in goal difference out of the bottom three? Yeah. They've clearly got a, a real massive load of work still to do. But I, I do think the the players and a team in there to to change the outlook of the table really to get to get closer to where team should be and the club feels it needs to be as well hmm. yeah you mentioned quite a lot of players there um particularly swifts and wallace are they kind yeah. of the, the key players that then Sunderland are gonna have to look out for and, and to stop on on monday yeah i mean what wallace um was was some way obviously some arrival from from millwall Sunderland fans yeah. will have seen him over the years play for a couple of sides and to a certain point up until maybe around corbyn's arrival actually in what was that late October? Um, Wallace was by some way Albion's be- best player, really. So, yeah. chief attacking outlet, biggest threat. He he really led the charge, really, and not 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 enough of us were keeping up with him. Not you almost felt like you needed ten Wallaces out there almost. And um, but yeah, it's 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 t- sort of leveled out just a little bit. He's he, he was quiet in a few games before the break, but mm. I've. I think that's just form and a little dip. I think I, I expect to see Wallace come back fit and firing after this break. I really do. Such a key player. Let's say Swift 
keep he's a nice player, isn't he? Stylish footballer, technician, yeah. keeps things ticking over, uses it well, and he's got a pass in him. But those those set pieces have been priceless, as I say. So I would pick out those. And Grady D and Garner, the other winger, has mostly been opposite Wallace this season on the other flank. He started the season like a house on fire. Dean Garner did it. Arbin fans really felt like they'd recaptured the best of him, which had, had been lost for a year or so, in fairness, maybe longer. So that, that was a massive part. And that was one of the areas Steve Bruce really succeeded in getting getting Dean Garner going. Um, again, he dropped off a little bit, but they'll be hopeful to get, get more from him, really. Um, boosted in another department as well. I mean, I mentioned DK's return. They've got Shemi Ajayi, the centre-half, uh, back from from a, a long term injury as well, and prior to his injury, end of August, uh, start of September, he he was Alvin's top defender really. So, going to be interesting to see how how Ajayi comes back into the side, whether he does come back into the side or has to buy his time. He was certainly a big player for them, massive player for them before his knock, and so the defense struggled without him, albeit eventually found its feet. So, yeah, I mean, it, the big picture is Alvin coming out of this break, off the back of great form at the end of the break, and with what you would say is two of their key players from the squad back to full fitness after long-term injuries. So there's there's a bit of optimism on that front, you know, to hopefully continue where they left off, but with a bit more of a bolstered squad with some star names back. So that's the hope anyway from down this end. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. There's lots of little links and obviously Mowbray up there as well is... Is really nice for Albion fans, and yeah, looking forward to it, Joe. Mm. Well, that's the last thing I was going to ask about Tony Mowbray. Obviously, someone that was at the club 2006 to 2009, I think he was one promotion from the championship. I think he's been back there with other clubs to West Brom. You were saying this morning, but how is he kind of viewed there at the Hawthorns, and and what sort of reception would he get from the away fans? Do you think? Yeah, immensely popular, hugely mm. popular. He'll get um, he'll get a brilliant reception. He will. We, um, funnily enough, actually, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, a couple of months ago, I think it might have been the first international break of the season, which is possibly September, was it? Um, there was a charity game at Albion at the Hawthorns, and it was, he'd just taken over at Sunderland, I think. He'd just Ooh. taken over, but he'd already committed to being a manager in this charity game. Like it was that. a testimonial for Chris, a bit of an unofficial testimonial for Chris Brunt, and and James he's, Morrison. Going to, he's going to a dinner on Friday, I think it was, for, for Morrison and Brunt. Ah, this, this morning. This, uh, as in Friday, as in tomorrow, sorry. Yeah, as in tomorrow, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he'd he was he'd already committed to being a manager mm. to that before taking a Sunderland job. And obviously that was announced and he was he was busy there, as you can imagine, taking on a new job. But he, he still felt, you know, the need to honour that, that commitment in the international break and come and be the manager on the on the on the charity game and you know we had a bit of time with him afterwards where we asked him a few Albion questions and stuff like that and he's I mean I didn't cover the, the club at the time when when he was around and had his success but I know he's yeah he's still revered really and he's got a huge passion for West Brom I mean it was such a big gig for him wasn't it coming down mm-hmm. and getting his philosophy over the way he plays football that fans still remember the, the football he bought and obviously the success that came with that and some some players of great quality um yeah he'll get brilliant reception and i obviously jobs since for him haven't been you know it hasn't been full success as it? it's been a bit of a mixed bag he's had yeah. some tougher spells than others but i always think it's great to see him doing well and 
when unless they're playing against Albion, Albion fans are always you know always keep an eye out for him and and hope for positive results. Really, it's um, he's a, he's a great guy and a top manager as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, good to hear. So, so little little meet up again tomorrow before the well. Yeah, that's, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, in this in the press conference this morning. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I say hugely popular and still a bit of a connect. You know, still a connection to the club in terms of doing a charity game like that. And the fans are fans will give him a great reception. Yeah, so so that'll be nice too. Yeah, just another little aspect to the game. Well, Lewis, we usually finish by just asking our guests for quick score prediction. How do you think the game's going to go on Monday night? Oh yeah, um, can't say I thought about that too much. Yeah, I, I. I'll go a score draw. I'll say one one. I'll say one yeah. one. I think Albion can probably probably find something up there. But yeah, I I quite like certainly I haven't seen them yet, but on paper I quite like Sunderland, some of Sunderland's yeah. players. Um yeah, I think it's got that feel about it. I I don't think that'd be a terrible result for either side, actually. Yeah, I kind of had one one in my head. I think I was gonna gonna say that as well. I yeah. think obviously West Brom have Look like they turned a bit of a corner under Corbrand. Sunderland playing well as well with that win over Millwall. Got a few players back from injury now. So, looks like it could be a tight game. Yeah, Ross Stewart's on his way back, isn't he, Red? Yeah, I think he could be on the bench um, yeah. by the sound of it. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he starts. But he, he played a um, behind-closed-doors game this week against Middlesbrough. Scored. Um, it looks like he's could be back on the bench for, for that game. So, maybe maybe he comes off the bench. And, but Alice Sims is playing well as well. So, scored yeah. two and two. So, I don't think real. I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure other than it being a Monday night and a hell of a trip for a Monday night, Albion fans are looking forward to going up there because obviously yeah. where Sunderland have been of late hasn't been a, a regular trip for for a few years at least. So, um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. And yeah, looking forward to it. And I think it'll be a tight one. I think, mm. yeah, the fact we've both lent towards 1-1 there probably says a lot. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the game. Lewis, thanks a lot for, for coming on. And as, Welcome, as ever, you can uh, subscribe to the Sunderland Echo uh, content for our premium content and ad light experience over on our website. Um, you can also head over there for the latest SAFC news. Tony Mowbray held these pre-match press conference on Thursday, so there's more build-up to the game as well as comments from the Sunderland head coach on there. Also, you can subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Just search Sunderland Echo SAFC on YouTube and press subscribe. You can find all our latest podcasts, fan videos and press conference clips. Um, So once again, thanks a lot for listening to the Raw Podcast.